to Totalis Rankium. This week, Season 2, Round 1, Fightius Maximus. Hello and welcome to Roman Empress Totalis Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, and this is The Rounds. It's the season two rounds, Jamie. It is. We're here. It's at the end, and it's time to put them all in a chariot race oh. and see how they cope. Poorly, but we'll see. I'm sure it'll be amazing. We will see. Um, so, yes, uh, welcome. But before we start, um, uh, a belated birthday shout-out. Oh, thanks, Rob. To, to, I mean, no, it was in April, you. but... It was, yeah. No, no, one of our listeners. Uh, I was sent a very lovely message from uh, one of our listeners, Saloni, uh, saying, hey, it's my boyfriend's birthday coming up. Uh, do you mind giving him a shout-out? And I did not see that message until after his birthday. Uh-huh. I felt very sad about it. But uh, I'm doing it now. Yeah. Not late, Jamie. Just very early. Yes. Yes. <laughs> For next August, <laughs> August the 2nd of 2024. Oh, that was late, so, wasn't it? happy birthday to Perry for August the 2nd of 2024. I hope you have a really yeah, good day. Happy birthday. Woo. Happy birthday. Yeah, early. Yes. That's how on, on it on it we are. So, yeah, dedicate this uh, episode to you guys. Um, but, right, now we're, we're going to go into it. Can you remember how we did the rounds before? Uh, Jim, didn't we just talk about them? Did we compare? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay right uh well what we did is uh all of our first rounds were choosing the top two who were going to go through um yes but we also got one of our rounds to just talk about it yeah so this episode is the fightiest maximus episode where we're gonna just quickly recap who is our most fighty emperors who are our least hmm. uh, and then we'll do that section of the episode and then we will move on to the actual rounds Okay. Uh, and we're going to do that over the next six step episodes. The six rounds, we'll cover each one of the groups. So next episode, it'll be a, a Probium Crasium. Nice. Okay, then. Uh, so, uh, oh, and one more thing to say. I'm trying my hardest not to compare with season one. We're going to do a whole comparison episode right at the end. Yeah. So, yeah, I keep seeing things in the statistics that I'm pulling out and going, oh, I wonder how that compares to season one. But no. No. no, if I start down that rabbit hole, stop me. I will. Because this is season two. I'll just scream. Just <laughs> scream until I stop. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Okay, then. So, uh, Phytius Maximus. Mm. Here we go. Uh, to begin with, let's look at the dynasties, Jamie. Because there's a lovely symmetry we've got that I only noticed when uh, writing this up. Because in season one, we had 13 dynasties. Wow. In season two, we have, guess how many? 13? Yeah, it's exactly the well, same. That's nice. So our dynasties are the Leonid dynasty. They had four emperors. Yep. The Justinian dynasty was six. The Heraclean dynasty was six. The 20 years anarchy, which I'm not including Justinian too in. He's Heraclean, so that was five emperors. Then we got the Isaurian dynasty with five emperors. The Nikephron dynasty with four emperors. They're all very uh, similar in size, aren't mm. they? Uh, the Amorian dynasty, four. Then we get to the Macedonian dynasty. They had 20. So they were either ridiculously successful or really bad. Uh, I mean, there was a lot of soft cooing going on, remember? Yeah, pigeons. So there's a lot of them that weren't really in, in the family, as it were. But yeah. like, there was a Macedonian in the background of people taking over. Anyway, that's 20, so that skews it a little bit. But then we go back to similar length. We've got five 
emperors in the Ducas dynasty, five in the Komnenos dynasty, five in the Angelos dynasty, it's all very nice and neat, uh, then four in the Lascaris dynasty, that's the uh, Nicaean emperors in exile, yeah. uh, and then our very last dynasty, our Paleologos dynasty, gets an impressive 12 okay. in with them. Okay, so there are dynasties. And um just going to tell you our worst dynasty. Our worst dynasty for fighting was the Angelos dynasty. They only scored an average of 2.2 in fighting Christmas. <laughs> yeah, they weren't very good. Uh, they, they just weren't very good. Uh, but more interesting, who is our top three fighty dynasties? So Le- Leonid, sure. Ooh, you think the Leonid ones? Possibly. Why, why do you say that? And Heraclean. Heraclean. Oh, yeah, I see. You're, you're on something. <gasps> Well, you got one of those uh, predictions, sort of, right? Uh, in third place, <laughs> interestingly, is the Amorian dynasty. Uh, one of the more forgettable uh, dynasties. That's Michael II, Philophilus, uh, Theodora, and Michael III. Uh, only Theophilus got a Gene César out of that bunch. Uh, but they all did reasonably well. No one scored hugely high, uh, but it gave them a decent average of 9.8. Mm. In second place, you're absolutely right, it is... The Heraclean dynasty. Yes, I was 100% right. Yes. Thank you. Well, you weren't 100% right, but you were slightly right. The Heraclians uh, did all right. Having Heraclius there at the start, uh, he got an impressive 18 points for Phytius Maximus. So, he did the heavy lifting. Yeah, that, he did the heavy lifting. But uh, also Justinian II's in there. He got a reasonable score of 17. And uh, Constantine IV got a score of 15. And Heraclonus in there got zero because yeah. uh, he was useless. Uh, so he's pulling it down. But yeah, that's not too bad. Mm. But our most fighty of all dynasties is the Komnenos dynasty. Mm. Uh, the Komnenos dynasty will regularly be coming up as a didn't they do well? Mm. There's five of them in the dynasty, and uh, four of them got Jeanne César. And eighty uh, percent. Yeah, that's pretty so that's, good. Yeah, so Alexios one, John two, Manuel one, Alexios two, and Andronicus, and uh, all of them apart from Alexios two, who scored nothing, scored above ten. So they did well. So that was a, a score of eleven mm. on average. And we're looking at so, John two today, aren't we? He's in round one. We are looking at John too today, so we will get a bit of him. Uh, okay, so the Commonwealth are the most fighty dynasty, but who is our best and worst fighter to begin with? Let's look at the most pathetic fighters of the Eastern Roman Empire. So I just got all of the emperors who scored literally nothing in this round. Yeah. That was Leo II, Heraclonus, Theodosius III, Stracius, Michael I, Alexander II, Stephen, Michael V, Leo II, Michael VI, Constantine X, Eudocia, Michael VIII, Alexius II, Alexius IV, Nicholas, and John IV. So there's a good chunk of them didn't get any. How many of them were children, though? Ah, well, just like last time, <laughs> if you remember, uh, I'm going to do what I did last time, which is I'm going to remove all that got zero because we had a little on them or because they didn't rule long enough to get a chance they were children like leo too for example yeah. poor leo too he was just a kid yeah. he died he didn't have a chance to fight so we're not going to say he's the worst fighter it just seems mean it seems like we're picking on the kids being a wimp Wait. yeah uh, whereas uh, strachius well he was out fighting uh, battles and we still gave him zero, so maybe there's something in that. So, pulling out the names of emperors who really should have scored but didn't, I came up with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And you need to choose, out of these, the worst three. Okay. Okay, so first of all, we've got Theodosius III. Now, 
he, remember, is the accountant who got swept up in a coup, but just because his name was Theodosius, and he was minding his own business in his village, and then he suddenly found himself in front of the capital city. Yeah. He was forced to be the emperor, and then he volunteered to be monked as soon as possible. Technically, his army staged a successful coup, and he became emperor, but he didn't want to do any of it, and he sat in a tent the entire time. That's why we gave him zero. Yeah. I can't blame you for that, though, to be honest. Uh, It's an amusing story, so slightly strong contender, uh, but... I don't know. Uh, Starachius, I think this is a strong contender as well. But then maybe it is unfair. Uh, He was in a battle. He fought. Maybe he should have got points. Uh, But this is the battle where his father was killed and he was wounded so badly that his reign, his entire reign, was just him gurgling with his uh, head half hanging off. I remember that, yeah. Yes. Yes, Starachius is one of those Mm. emperors who really sticks in my mind in the Eastern Romans. Just writing the word Uh, head next to his name. Yeah, so, um, I mean, he fought, and uh, they lost the battle, and he lost his head. Some of it. But is that unfair? He did do some fighting. Mm. Okay, Uh, Michael won. He fought Crumb several times, and he lost every single time. (laughs) I had to go into his episode to remind myself slightly of why we gave him zero here, and I'll just pull out a quote of mine in the episode. It's not very often that we have an emperor who was involved in quite a lot of fighting, but loses every single time. He was just a loser when it came to fighting. Yeah, that's a bit... Um, I don't want to say embarrassing. That seems too harsh, but it's uh, disappointing. Yeah. yeah. Alexander II. Uh, now, this is the son of the first Basil. Uh, he didn't rule for that long, and then his balls exploded whilst uh, he was playing polo, if you remember. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's... <laughs> so he didn't... That came back as a flash. Oh, yeah, so it's like he didn't really have much of a chance, but he was reigning for a little bit of time, so I've popped him in there, but he's probably not going to win or more to point lose this. Uh, Stephen. Stephen cooed against his Genesisar father uh, and then was counter cooed immediately. It was just a pathetic, pathetic rule. He put his father on the Isle of Princes, him and his brother tried to rule, uh, and then got counter cooed immediately and then ended up being dumped on the Isle of Princes with their father literally a couple of weeks later. Oh, hey, Dad. (laughs) Funny thing. (laughs) Oops. Yes, I mean, that's just embarrassing. It's a strong contender to be the worst here. Uh, Then we've got Constantine X. This is the academic aristocrat friend of Celus who was given the throne when the Macedonian dynasty finally gives up. He would have been in charge of the military at some point, but we didn't really have any details. In the eight years he was in charge, he didn't do anything apart from lose chunks of the empire. It was a fairly consistent, just losing kind of rule. What was his name again? Uh, That was Constantine X. Mm. No exciting story to go with him. Michael Seven. He was a weak Ducas emperor who kept being cooed against while his finance advisor ran things. Uh, He was cooed against a lot. And it was forced off the throne. Again, no humor stories. He just didn't do any fighting mm. himself. Uh, and then finally, Alexios IV, uh, Genesis our winner, for being awful. <laughs> Alexios IV is the guy who ran away to the crusading states and sold the empire. Yes. We gave him zero because all he did was run away and uh, sell the empire. So th- those are our choices. I mean... Oh, we could do, like, bottom three, or you could just pick one if you want. One stands out to you as a worse fighter. I've got my bottom three, but not necessarily Oh, okay, go order. on. Well, let's say your bottom three, and then we'll uh, we'll choose an order. Okay, uh, in kind of first, third place, I've put Michael one with the crumb thing. Keep losing. I mean, crumb was yeah. very good, 
but it became yeah, it just became embarrassing. He's like, oh, trying to stop. No, sir, no, please, you must stop now. <laughs> we can't okay. take much more of this. Yep. And I'm thinking of Alexios 4, because he's just selling things off. He didn't try and fight. Yeah. Uh, he'd be my second place. And my number one is Stephen. I mean, you could argue he successfully cooed. He was successful at that. However, literally minutes later, being unrecooed or being cooed himself yeah. is is quite funny. Uh, yeah, no, it's that image of him being dumped on the island yeah. after his grand schemes have come to fruition. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, now I'm being cooed. Uh, interesting. I don't think that's the, the ones that I would have gone okay. for. Because one, he had his head I... half cut off. I feel sorry for him. I, I do like Starachius, um, but he was fighting. You're right. I just like his story. Yeah. We don't need to say he's the worst fighter. He was a in a loser. battle. That's mean on yeah. him. The only one uh, I'm thinking is Theodosius III, uh, because yeah. he was an accountant swept up. But then arguably he, he was technically be the head of the army that won a siege. Yeah. So you could say he was in the battle and he won and it. And he didn't want he to be the emperor. didn't want to be there. So I, I think that's unfair yeah. to rate him as an emperor if he didn't want to be one. I was like, no. Okay, well, we've we've got our choices then. We are saying that the third to bottom is Michael one, the second to bottom is Alexios uh, four, and we are saying our very worst fighter for the second season is Emperor Stephen. I mean, the name... It's a good job we didn't do his uh, brother... Uh, Christopher at the same time because uh, he, he did even less. In fact, if I remember correctly, we did we did like a mini scoring of his brother at the end of Stephen's episode. Yeah, and we decided he was just as bad. Uh, anyway, okay, so we've made our first decision. We've got our worst fighter. Okay, but now now the big thing: top five. Bit easier to do this because we have our top five scores yeah. for Fighters Maximus of season two. Easy then, read them out. <laughs> Well, it's slightly more complex than that because, unfortunately, we have some uh, people on the same score. So, we have John 1 on 17, Justinian 2 on 17, Maurice on 17, and then we've got our two potential winners, which is Basil 2 on 18 and Heraclius on 18. So we need to decide who is going to become third, fourth and fifth, and then we need to decide on our winner in second place. Not going to spend long on this. It needs to be a quick decision, but just to give you a little bit of a reminder. Let's choose between Maurice, Justinian II, and John here. Right. Uh, so, Maurice, our French emperor, remember. It's a long time ago we did him. He was near the start. Um, I will quote you. He fought like a boss. That's not my words. That's your words, Jeremy. More Shakespearean, I love it. Yeah, uh, he was just a very impressive general. He was fighting in Persia. Uh, this was after a drought of emperors fighting at the front. He actually fought at the front. We were very impressed with that. Remember, for a mm. while, emperors just never went out fighting. Well, Maurice did, and we were very impressed. He won a war against the Persians. Uh, he fought the Avars and the Slavs, and he managed to defeat both groups. Uh, he also wrote the Strategicon which is the mm. uh, handbook for generals that was used for decades, a couple of centuries afterwards. It was how to fight. So not only was he a good fighter, a good general, he wrote books about it and passed on his knowledge you think he, to future generations. Do you think he ever did like a battlefield abridged version? <laughs> Point a bit goes this way. Yeah. So if yeah. you're encircled, go back or, you know, jump up and down. Yeah. Send a pigeon. What to do if you're fighting an enemy facing unsurmountable odds. Mm. 
don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's Maurice. We were impressed with him. Uh, Justinian II, he defeats the Caliphate in his first rule. Uh, he defeated the Bulgars, but then he did also lose to both of them. So it's all a bit 50 50. Uh, but then he loses the throne and then fights his way back and regains the throne, which no one else ever manages to do. Uh, so. He got a lot of points for managing yeah. to do that. Uh, so, yeah, that's why he got his 17. And then we got John 1. John 1 became famous for fighting Scythe Sword of Destiny. Do you remember him? Vaguely. Yeah, he, he popped up only for a couple of episodes, but he was a very, uh, very good general fighting for the Caliphate. And, uh, yeah, John 1 managed to um, fight him. He did very well. He John 1 defeats the Russians in two separate wars mm. and then took all of Thrace... Uh, Thrace back. Uh, he also won many battles against the Caliphate. He was just a very strong general. So, uh, which one of those stands out? Justinian II. I'd have him as number three because <clears throat> the fact he was emperor, deposed, reclaimed it again is quite impressive. Even just as a story, it's interesting and makes you want to learn more. And he didn't have a nose. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm happy for Justinian II to be in third place. Uh, who are you thinking for fourth place? Um, let's say John one because he. Um, oh, you see, I'm I'm going to have to disagree. Calif- it's the whole caliphate here. thing, and they were big. Maurice and John both did good fighting, but I think Maurice writing the Strategicon maybe gives him a, a little bit of a bonus there. Yeah, we're assuming he didn't have a, a ghostwriter. Well, I mean, it was done under his orders. We're guessing he probably didn't pen it himself, but it was still a guidebook to how to general. I'm willing to. And then again. I mean, we're going to go uh, through John 1 uh, today, and you'll see he's actually very impressive what he's done. So, okay, if we want to go for your gut, let's go for your gut. We're saying John 1 in fourth, and Maurice comes in fifth. Okay, big one then. Who is number one and number two? Now, to remind you, Basil II, he came after two very uh, fighty general emperors, John 1 being one of them. Mm. Uh, he is the longest ruling emperor and spent most of it fighting. He had to. We had to skip a lot of detail because we just don't have the sources, but we know he did a lot of fighting. Uh, the Fatimids attacked in the east twice, and he got over there so quickly he took them by surprise. Remember, he did a whole thing yeah. with buying all the donkeys and getting over there really quickly. And time Almost travel. pulled a Caesar with how quick he managed to move. Yeah. Uh, that was all very impressive. We gave him points uh, for that. What else did he do? Uh, oh, yeah, he got Armenia back. Uh, he got Cherson back. He was called the Bulgar Slayer. I mean, that's cool, being called the Bulgar Slayer. Uh, he fought the Bulgars for roughly half his life, and he lived to a ripe old age. Uh, that area, very, very hard to take. Mm. Uh, it's all craggy, uh, but he manages to do it. Uh, he put down four uprisings down in his time, uh, and also, he wasn't a general. He was a child emperor, remember? So he taught himself this stuff. There wasn't a general yeah. who took over, which uh, is actually quite impressive because he did really well. Is actually, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it's just very good. We gave him 18 for a reason. It's very good fighty. But then we've got Heraclius, who also is incredibly good. He took Constantinople in a coup slash liberation uh, from the Emperor Focus. Yeah. Remember, Focus was a bit crazy. Mm. Yeah, talk more about him in the next episode where we're talking about Brobium Crasium. But yeah, Heraclius comes along takes the city, first person to really do that. Uh, he had a bit of help, but he managed to take the city. 
Uh, then he reformed the armies. Remember, he did those full mock battles. Mm. He took the armies out and yeah. gave them sticks and got them to fight each other. Montage. He actually trained them. It was really good. He was leading from the front. So was Basil too. The odds were stacked against him. He had one army and that was it. And if that army lost a battle, that's it. The Roman Empire is gone. Yeah. All of this is last ditch effort. He fought in four major confrontations against the Persians and won all of them. And if he lost any of them, Rome's off the map. The capital was sieged while he was on campaign and he made the right decision not to head back because he figured the city could look after itself. Uh, then we he get he got bonus points for there being some good stories of him fighting a giant on a bridge, and then he fought a Persian general one on one in the middle of a battlefield whilst all the soldiers were watching, and he decapitated the opposing general, and then fought uh, the general's bodyguards as well until the rest of the army caught up and they were all fighting. It's all very dramatic yeah. stuff. However, when he was ill and close to death, he was pushed back by the rise of Islam, and that's why he didn't get a, a ten out of ten. We wanted to give him 10 out of 10. He didn't and stop we Islam. Said, well, <laughs> that's not quite how we put it. Um, but we wanted to give him 10 out of 10. And if he had died mm. just a couple of years before, he would have got it. Yeah. But as he was old and ill, uh, the Muslim forces come rushing out of the desert, just unstoppable. Seems a bit unfair, uh, doesn't it, really? So, yeah, so he didn't quite get his 10 out of 10 uh, from either of us, but we were very impressed. I will quote myself here, I don't think I've been as impressed by the fighting ability of an emperor as much as this since Aurelian. So, two very strong contenders. I honestly can't choose between the two. I think I know which way I'm leaning, but I'm going to let you say a name first. I, I think I know which way I'm leaning as well. Um, I, I think Heraclius, Herac, Heraclius, Heraclius. Did he, did he train his, is this one that trained his army outside the gate? Yeah, he took back Constantinople, Herac Heraclius. Heraclius, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the one. Yeah, yeah. let's mix it all in fact. Yeah, Got doing it. his mock battles. Yeah. Last ditch attempt to survive. Pom-poms, yeah. Defeats the Persians in the final uh, fight between the Romans and the Persians. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Mm. I was leaning towards Heraclius. Basil too is very, very good for fighting. Just uh, not Heraclius good enough, Basil. Just, it's just uh, Heraclius' story is just a bit more interesting in terms of fighting. Okay, so we now have our top five. In fifth place is Maurice. Fourth place, John one. Third place, Justinian two. Second place, Basil two. And Heraclius is our most fighty emperor for season two. Nice. No, we are not going to compare his score to the most fighty emperor of season one no. and then see. Not now. No, I want to, but we're not going to. <laughs> right, okay. So that's fightiest mass must done. Stephen's the worst. Heraclius is the best. Okay, but now into the meat and potatoes, Jamie. Oh, I love a bit of meat and potatoes. Round, Round one, one, fight. Okay, here we go. We have five emperors. Yes. Only two can go through. Now, to make sure this doesn't get too repetitive, we're not going to go into a huge amount of detail into these in these first rounds. I've done a very quick summary, just to remind you, because some of these we did literally four and a half years ago. So... Wow. Pre-Covid, yeah, so, gosh. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, some of these, are like Anastasius, for example, I remember doing... Uh, it was pretty much when we've done season one. Mm. It seems so long ago now. Um, so, in this round, we have Romanos 1, Michael 8, Anastasius, John 2, and John 1. 
Those are our emperors. Romanos II is a Macedonian emperor. Michael VIII is a Paleologos emperor, so mm-hmm. right from the end. Anastasius, right at the beginning, Leonid. We've got John II, one of the very strong Komnenos emperors. And then John I is another Macedonian. So uh, that's who we've got. Uh, our strongest scorer in this round... In fact, it, it's a very even round... Everyone is scoring mid to high 30s okay. in this round. That's pretty good. So they are very close together. Michael 8 is our highest ranking. He came ninth in all of the ranking for the season. Then we have Anastasius, who came 16. Then we have Romanos 1, who came 19th. John 1, who came 20th. And John 2, who came 21st. Ooh. It is a very tight It is the bottom, group. yeah. It is. It's a it's a tight group, and none of them, I would say, would be anyone's favourite to go on to win this. I would think all of these emperors are going to be quite happy to be in this round. Yeah. And not have to face off the likes of a battle two or someone. Mm. So we will see who goes through. Uh, I I I'm genuinely not sure, but uh, let's let's just go through them, shall we? Okay. So have you got your pen ready? You're gonna make some notes. Yes. Yes. Okay. Here we go. Romanos. So we're starting right at the start of the Macedonian dynasty here. Uh, you may remember that a peasant one day saved the Emperor Basil's life, and this peasant had a son called Romanos. Wasn't it from a boar or something? Uh, we are not entirely sure how uh, Basil's life was saved. I think we joked that it was a kind of, oh no, look, there's a... There's a rake on the floor there, Basil. You don't want to oh, step on that yeah. and get hit in the face. Yeah, and yeah we're, we're not entirely sure. Uh, but yeah, he, he was saved. Uh, and this peasant was risen through the ranks rapidly by Basil. And because of that, uh, his son now has an easier uh, life. His son, Romanos. Yeah, he joins the army into a higher rank. We only get one story from his early life that really interested us, uh, and that was when he fought a lion with a flamethrower. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, they they were <laughs> walking through Anatolia, and it was just him and a couple of others, and they heard a lion, so they just start chucking Greek fire around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Yeah, I mean, this was early on in the episode, and I think this is one of the main reasons why he got Gene Cesar, is this this won us round to him very early on. Yeah. It's like he's fighting a lion with a flamethrower. This is brilliant. <laughs> uh, he then rises through the ranks until he's in charge of the f- navy. He's in charge of the fleets. Uh, he gets caught up in a very interesting power struggle, which I am not going to try and recap now because it is very detailed, but it was a fascinating period of uh, Roman history. But to very, very briefly uh, cover it, uh, little Constantine Seven and his mum were on one side. They were ruling from the palace. Leo Focus, who was the head of the army, was on another side. The Patriarch, who had the church backing him, was on a third side. And Romanos and the navy was on a fourth side. And these four factions were all fighting each other. All sorts of double deals go on, lots of backstabbing. Cut a long story short, Romanos wins. Everyone else is nunned, monked or blinded. Maybe all three. <laughs> what would you care for today, sir? <laughs> well, I was thinking either none or blinded, but... <laughs> yeah, little Constantine was kept around, so it was a gentle coup. It's still the Macedonian dynasty, honestly. Yes. <laughs> uh, but Romanos is in charge now. Uh, and his son, Christopher, 
is heir. And then once the emperor has dealt with the Bulgars, mostly diplomatically, and then he deals with the caliphate, uh, he gains land off all of them, he restores Anatolia to the empire, so he generally does very well. An awful plague then hits, causing mass starvation. Romanos lost all the gains that he'd made in the east due to this plague, uh, but then goes and gets them back again. Hey. Uh, but then... His son died, his son Christopher died. Romanus was very upset, mainly because his other two sons were idiots. His <laughs> wow. now eldest son, in fact, was now officially the worst fighter in season two. Oh, okay. Because this is Romanus one is Stephen's dad. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, things get interesting when the Vikings attack. Oh yes. Viking raids. Uh, this is the second one. This is one 80 years after the first one. There was a huge invasion. Romanos had a secret weapon, the Greek fire. He obviously remembered from his youth. Uh, he puts it all over his boats, shooting out all ends it is. They managed to fight the Vikings back. Uh, and then Romanus gets ill. His two idiot sons were worried they were not next in line, so they dragged their father, the emperor, to the docks and sent him to the Isle of Princes and monked him. And then, as I recapped not long ago... Yeah. This was a disastrous move because the people liked the puppet emperor, Constantine, so Stephen and his brother were exiled themselves 40 days later. <laughs> they had to go and apologise to their father <laughs> for ruining everything. I am so <laughs> sorry for this. Yeah, so there you go. That's Romanos. Um, I mean, he got it mainly because he fought a lion with a flamethrower. <laughs> he fought back Vikings. He made good gains. There was a plague and he managed to overcome it. He generally was a good, solid emperor. Yeah, he just was a crap dad. Uh, <laughs> well, he's, he was good with Christopher. Poor Christopher died, though. He got 13 for Phytius Maximus, only 3 for Approbium Crasium. 14, impressive for Successus Ultimus, only a 1 for Imagofacius, a 3.13 for uh, Tempo Completo, and a reasonable score of 35.13, yeah. ranking him 19th. He did all right. Is it going to be enough for him to get through, though, Jamie? Um... I, I don't mm. know. That's, that's kind of what I'm thinking, but let's move more. on, shall we? Michael 8. Okay, we jump forward in time to Michael 8, ruling from 1259 to 1282. This is the first of the Paleologos dynasty, the very last dynasty. He is our top scorer in this round. Mm. He came ninth uh, overall in the whole season, so you could argue Michael 8 is the one to beat. But let's see, shall we? Um, he was born into an exiled empire. Remember? The Constantinople's fallen. The oh, Nicene yeah. emperors are ruling. Yeah. So Michael VIII is born into that. He was born into a prominent family who were close to the royal family. He did some fighting as a young man. He was given some towns to run uh, just to learn the ropes. We get a story where the second Nicene emperor, John III who was bringing up Michael as his own son, suddenly suspected Michael of treason. Someone suggested Michael hold a red-hot iron bar to prove his innocence. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Michael agreed, <laughs> of course I'll do that, as long as the archbishop here does the same as a control group. I'm a man of science, after all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it was hastily decided that actually maybe this was not a good way to figure out whether someone was guilty or <laughs> ah, Thank you, Archbishop. Very kind of you. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, that story amused us early on. John then dies, and then his son Theodore II takes over, and Michael becomes the governor of Nicaea. But then suddenly, he runs away to the caliphate. He defects. The emperor is angry at this, but some people point out to the emperor that you keep saying things like, I don't trust that Michael 8, I'm going to blind him. 
And that's, that's yeah. the reason why he's run away. Uh, the two don't get on, basically. But anyway, long story short, after years in exile, Michael is allowed back. He swears not to usurp. Michael then fights Eperos. He loses some land. He's accused of treason once more. He's thrown in jail. But then he's released because the Empire needs generals and Michael's pretty good. Uh, anyway, Theodore dies. Michael is put in charge of looking after little John Four. I will take care yes. of him very well. Yes, he says. And just like that, the Paleologos family are now protectors of the royal family. <laughs> and what better way to protect the royal family than to be the royal family? Yeah. Thinks Michael. So he very quickly goes from regent to co-emperor to senior emperor. <laughs> All sorts of fighting takes place uh, between the Latin states of the torn up Roman Empire, uh, mainly involving Epirus. Uh, then Michael sent one of his generals north to just deal with the Bulgars slightly. Yeah. Wasn't a huge deal, but just go up there, let the Bulgars know we're keeping uh, an eye on this border. Uh, this general, on the way, accidentally took Constantinople back. Whoops. Yeah, you remember the Venetians who were protecting the yeah. city happened to be out, so this general goes, well, I might as well try my luck, and gets in. And, and it works. Michael is woken up by his sister, and we get a strange detail that his sister tickles his feet to wake him up, so not to startle him, which is weird. Anyway, Michael wokes up to be told, you've got the capital back. Capital, says Michael, and everyone laughs. <laughs> then uh, Michael then starts writing to people all the time. The rest of the episode is him using diplomacy to keep the power he's got. He faced a huge opponent in the King of Sicily, Charles of Anjou. Uh, the rest of the episode is him diplomatically trying to stop Charles from advancing, because Charles is too powerful to fight. Yeah, yeah. Charles is sweeping through the Mediterranean. Nothing can hold him back. Michael uses his la letters to distract him. Uh, in the end... He does hold Charles back. It's all very impressive. We were impressed. Mm. Uh, but after defeating Charles, Michael dies of lurgy. Oh. Yeah. Probably touched a girl. Yeah. That's how I get it. That's how I was told. You get mm. it. So, yes, that is Michael 8. Uh, 10 for Phytius Maximus. 10 for Probium Crasium. 14 for Successus Ultimus. A lot of that was getting the capital back. Uh, Imago Facius 3. Tempo Completo 2.6. And a Reasonable score of 39.60. 39. Yes, ranking him 10th in the series, and he is the highest scorer. I thought you said 9th earlier. Oh, no, you're absolutely right. Sorry, 9th in the series. Okay. Yes, so ranking 9th in the series, he's our top scorer this round. Mm. Uh, but is is that is that enough to get him through? I don't I'm starting to, just out of these two, now, now it's easy to compare. Romana sounds a bit better. Mm, it's interesting, isn't mm. it? Hindsight. Hindsight. That's why we do the rounds. We were fools. <laughs> we were fools. Let's start again. <laughs> right back to the beginning. We're in the Leonid dynasty. We're in 495 to 518, Jamie. Oh, three digits. Oh, I remember three little digits. Baby dates. Baby dates. That's what they are. Yeah, okay. First thing I told you about him is that his nickname was Dicarus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, and this is because because he had David David Bowie eyes. He had two different coloured eyes. So what was he called? A Dicarus. It means two different coloured eyes. Does... Obviously. Oh. <laughs> I'm guessing that's like die, as in by two, or to dissect into two, and then oros, meaning eyes, oh, yeah. maybe. Yeah. That could work. Yeah. <laughs> my my Latin slash Greek is obviously very good. <laughs> 
Um, Anyway, after Zeno's death, they really needed a steady hand to calm the masses who were really unhappy, and it wasn't really clear who the emperor was. So Zeno's widow and some ministers went to the Hippodrome and promised an emperor who would be free from every vice. And everyone went, hooray! And then after that promise was made, everyone sat around and went, right, okay, who have we got who is free from every single vice? Well, they pull out of nowhere from a side room an elderly accountant Hello, called sir. Anastasius. How can I help? Yes, he's the finance minister. Uh, this didn't please everyone. Because if you remember, back in the start of the series, this is when the whole monophysite stuff is going on. Mm. It's the wills, Jamie. Single will, yes. Yeah. Yes, that's what's going on. We're not getting into that. No, I can, <laughs> can tell I'm about to be rugby tackled to the ground yeah. for even mentioning it. Yeah. <laughs> um, all we need to know is that Anastasius was very sympathetic to the uh, monophysites, and uh, this displeased a lot of people. Uh, also, remember who's around at this time? It's the Greens and the Blues, Jamie. Oh, wow. It's the Greens and the Blues. Yeah. Probably. Two gangs. We're not, we're not too far from that description where one of them uh, has mullets. That's part of their fashion. Nice. Yeah. So they're around. They were powerful and they were not keen on this new emperor. They wanted Zeno's brother to be in charge. Yeah. Because Zeno's brother had been giving the deems a lot of money. So riots start up. If you remember this period of uh, history, start of season two, riots in the capital were very common. Yeah. So riots all start. Uh, a powerful group called the Isaurians start to coup, but it's put down. Slowly, the deems and the people start to accept this new emperor's not too bad, mainly because he starts fixing the economy. Wait. He was the finance yeah. minister after all, so it's like, yeah, I know how to do this. <laughs> and then... Some brand new barbarians show up, never been seen before. And this episode is the first episode I ever mentioned to you, the name Bulgars. Oh. Yeah, and they just stick stick around, Jamie, don't they? they, They're still there. Yeah, you could argue the Bulgars ultimately were the the biggest foes of the Romans. I mean, we had the Persians, we had the Parthians, we had the Caliphate. Mm Uh, we had the Huns and the Vandals, yeah. but the Bulgars, oh, they had sticking power. They really did. They really did, and they, they showed up right here. So, um, yeah, the Bulgars turn up uh, to try and defend against this. Anastasius builds a new wall much further out called the Long Wall. Uh, it was absolutely useless. It never worked, uh, but it was impressive. <laughs> it was long. Uh, then a, yeah, it was. Uh, then a war with the Persians breaks out. Uh, no one wins this war. All the peasants lose this war. Yeah, it was long, yeah. it was atrocious, everyone was sad. Uh, after this, however, things were peaceful for a while, but religious problems broke out. Uh, this ended up with riots against monophysitism. 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 That's exactly what I said, Jamie. I will yeah. edit that in. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, it looks like uh, there's going to be a full-on uprising, and Anastasius heads to the Hippodrome to give a speech. And in that speech, he says, Fine, I will resign. You clearly want me to resign. As soon as you can think of someone who is better than me. Oh, that that's a that's a And we were mightily impressed. We yeah. were very impressed with this because the crowd were just stumped. And in the end, Anastasius just goes, Well, fine then. I'll stick around then, shall I? <laughs> See you Monday morning, lads. <laughs> 
yeah, it was a ballsy move and it paid off. If he'd said, fine, if you can think of someone better than me and then someone just goes, what about John over there? Uh, it would have looked stupid. Yeah. But no, he pulls it off and it looks good. Uh, then a general revolt. Uh, Anastasius uses his uh, financial skills and lowers taxes immediately in the surrounding area so everyone sides with him and not the revolting general. Clever move. That impressed us. Uh, yeah. He then develops potentially the first recorded use of Greek fire. And Greek fire is usually yeah. recorded as uh, coming around uh, along a couple of hundred years after this. Yeah. But there is one instance where they talk about this liquid fiery stuff that's used. And there's a chance that it was actually invented here. Mm. And if it wasn't, it was a precursor to it. Uh, so he uses this Greek fire to put down that revolt from the general. <laughs> to cause a loss again, of suffering. <laughs> well, he put down a revolt and it impressed us. Oh, yeah. He was not a very fighty emperor, but he put down a revolt from a general who was very good at fighting. So that was good. Uh, and then he chooses his successor with an amusing story. Uh, he puts a note under three different chairs... And then invites his nephew, three nephews in. Uh, but these aren't just normal chairs, obviously. They're, they're like couches. And um, whoever sits down on the one with the, the word emperor under it becomes the emperor. Did they know? Is it like a game? They're huddled outside the door. No, the no. Door opens, Run! Ah! Each other no, away. they didn't know because right. they came in and two of them decided to share a couch. And no one sat on the emperor couch. Yeah. Yeah. So in the end, Anastasius, knowing he was close to death, just decided the first person I see in the morning can be my successor. And surprise, surprised, it was the uh, the head of the guard happened to be that person. It's oh. all a little bit du- du- yeah. dubious. Uh, and that was Justin, uh, Justinian the Great's father. So... That's how the Justinian dynasty gets started. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we went into the episode thinking he was just going to be an old man who just does not cope. We expected nothing. Mm. Uh, we were actually quite impressed. We gave him 14 for Phytius Maximus, 0 for Crasium because he was just a very yeah, senior very guy, uh, 17 for Successus Ultimus, which is very impressive, uh, Imago 2, Tempo 3.38, a reasonable score of 36.38, Ranked 16 in the series, and we gave him Gen A Caesar quite. We were quite surprised, but yeah. we gave it out anyway. It's always nice when that yeah. happens, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, that's Anastasius. Two more to do. John 2. Okay, we start with John 2, obviously. Uh, John 2 from the impressive Komnenos mm. dynasty. Uh, he rules from 1118 to 1143. He is the lowest scorer of this round, uh, with a score of 34.13. He ranks in 21st, uh, so you could say he's got everything to play for. And it's a hard one to sum up, because we are in the thick of the Crusades, and all the Latin states, and everything gets messy. And I found it hard to sum up in a whole episode. Doing a quick summary here is is tricky. Um, we're in the middle of Anna Komnenos's wealth of information. Remember, she wrote um, her book? Hmm. All about her father, and we got yeah. loads of details about Alexios. We saw John II as a continuate continuation of the good rule that his father Alexios achieved. We very much saw it as Alexios did very well. John II just continued doing very well. If we gave it to Alexios, why wouldn't we give it to his son? And that that was our logic. Makes sense. Uh, yeah, uh, Alexios by the way, is in round four. So he'll be, hmm. he'll be here as well. Anyway, so uh, John II is born into the royal family. He was heir. At 10 years of age, the First Crusade happens. Uh, Nicaea was sieged, and due to the fighting, his father was given an orphaned boy as a present. 
beautifully wrapped. Yes. We could not pronounce the name of this boy. It was spout A-X-O-U-C-H. So we decided to pronounce it Axouch. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Axouch was uh, amazing. The two remained friends for the rest of their life. He became the Emperor's Agrippa, essentially. Uh, his best friend is very competent. When John's father died, there was a power struggle with his mother and his sister, but he wins. Uh, then he focuses on retaking Anatolia from a couple of Turkish groups, something his father had successfully started. The Pekenics uh, then invade, and John personally leads a charge of English Varangians to, uh, into a battle. English Vikings, yeah. yes. English Vikings and uh, John leading the charge. It was a, a good story. There's stories of people being chopped, chopped in twain ver- vertically and stuff. Uh, absolutely ridiculous, but fun stuff. Mm. He then spent five years fighting the Turks once more, mostly winning. He put down a coup attempt from his brother. Uh, he managed to deal with all of that. He finally gets Anatolia back. He then goes further and decides to get Antioch back. And this is where I'm really going to gloss over a lot because the political landscape of the post-Crusade East is a mess. <laughs> but to hugely sum it up, John was able to go in, tell people to follow him or else, and then he started taking land back in the name of the Roman Empire. In other words, you've got all these crusading states, but suddenly the Roman Empire seems like the big kid on the block again. Yeah. And everyone's having to listen to John. He all but takes back Antioch for the empire, uh, but he died of an infected wound on his hand just before the city was passed over to him. I mean, they'd agreed to give up and everything, but it's, yeah. Just the formalities. Yeah. I mean, he was a very impressive ruler, but I think there's a reason why he is the lowest Mm. ranking in this group. Very much was a case of, well, he was as good as his dad and we gave it to his dad. Yeah. (laughs) But but looking into it, uh, I I think he's going to struggle to get through, I'll be honest. I'm I'm agreeing with that. He's he's done some things, but he's done some things that are generic. Like, yeah, yeah, he did this, he won this. Yeah. Okay, well, we go into our last one then. John Okay. John won, ruling from 969 to 976. Nothing to do with the Commonos John II. John won is in the Macedonian dynasty. Yes. Yes. Uh, he was a general emperor put in place because he got stuff done, damn it. And they needed an emperor to look after things whilst little Basil II was old enough to rule. Mm. Basil II's a child at this time. So, uh, John is born into a powerful family. We get nothing on his early life apart from the fact that he enjoyed drinking and physical pleasures. Oh, yes. I see. Yes. Uh, he was then put in charge of Armenia before he was 30. He impressed with his fighting. Uh, he was fighting f- uh, Scythe Sword of Destiny and doing well. His friend and uncle becomes an Ikephros too, so he's the emperor, so he's mm. now got an in with the royal family. Uh, and John may have been getting to know Nikephros's wife at this point. Really? Yes, so he was having it away with his friend, the emperor's wife. Yeah, oh dear. Yeah. Nikephros too, by the way, Jedi sees our uh, winner. He will be in round five, I believe. Uh, yeah, we were impressed with the two of these. Anyway, so Nikephros becomes suspicious and puts John under arrest. And then we get a really good story of how John and the other men break into the palace dressed as washerwomen. Yeah, yes. Yeah, it's a fantastic story. We get lots of details. Uh, both Nikephros and John benefited a lot from this story because it's all about how John kills Nikephros. And in both episodes, it's a good story. Yeah. Uh, 
There's intrigue, they're hiding in rooms, they're going through. John's Nykephros isn't in the right place, so they have to go find another room and everything. Yeah, so they sneak through the palace. They eventually find Nykephros asleep on the floor or praying on the floor by his bed. Uh, we get a detailed scene of them beating Nykephros up whilst John just sits on the bed telling his friend how betrayed he feels. I just feel so... So terrible. Oh, this come here, come this here. hurts me a lot more than it hurts you, Nightcarefoss, yeah, as the hilt of a sword <laughs> smacks into Nightcarefoss's yeah. nose. Yeah, anyway, they cut his head off and they throw him out the window. Oh. John becomes emperor. Then little child Basil II is told, This is John. He's the emperor now. He will look after you. He did all of this with um, plotting with the empress, Nightcarefoss's yeah. wife. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then he immediately exiles her. Yeah. Well, yeah. you can't trust that, can you? <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> and then uh, takes over. He announces that to do penance for his evil coup, he would donate lots of money to the poor, which he then does. Mm. Then most of the rest of his reign is the very impressive war in Bulgaria. Uh, now, Kefros had invited the Russians in, and they had taken over the Bulgars. That had been a good move at the time, because it stopped the Bulgars attacking the Romans. But now, well, the Rus were very powerful and were right next door, and it looked like they were going to attack the Empire. So John takes up the challenge and goes off to fight. We get a fair bit of detail on the war. We were very impressed with John taking the Rus' capital in Bulgaria. Lots of details of him going through passes when his generals were saying, no, it's a trap, and he's saying, damn it, but we need to. And they go through, and it's not a trap. Ooh. He made the right call. Uh, yeah, uh, He then uh, wins the war against the Rus. He announces that Bulgaria is now free to join the Roman Empire. <laughs> yes, the Bulgarian Tsar at the moment was a man named Boris who was like, oh great, I've got my old dear. No, I am now just a prisoner, aren't I? Uh, he then receives the words that the Fatimids were attacking. So he swings over to the east and sorts all that out. Again, all very impressive. By the end, most of Syria was back in the empire. Uh, this mm. is, remind you of the date here, this is 969 and to 976. Getting Syria back this time is impressive. The empire is bigger than it had been in decades. And then he dies mysteriously. We're not really sure what happens. Uh, but yeah, so there you go. That's John 1, 17 for Fightius Maximus, 4 for Probium Crasium, 12 for Successus Ultimus, 1 for Imago, 0.88 for Tempo, a reasonable score of 34.88, ranked 20. Interesting. So all we need to do now, Jamie, yeah. is say which two go through. We don't need to put these in order or anything. Nope. We just need to put two names through. Actually, no, we do need to put them in order because the winner yeah. gets put in a slot. So we just need to choose our two favourite and then say which is uh, who comes higher. Brilliant. Uh, Anastasius and Romanos. Oh, wow. You are not wasting any time. I don't even need a you conversation just, for this. You are just coming mm. out of swinging. Yeah. Swinging out of the... Right, okay. Okay, well, talk me through. Why? Why are you thinking uh, this? Anastasius, old guy. Yeah. Not really thinking he'd be able to do anything. He fixes the economy, goes for the Bulgars, Persian War, but then lots of peace, religious fighting had to go through, and the incredibly good thing of, well, I will resign if you can find someone better. Yeah. And Greek well, fire. Good. Greek fire. I do like Anastasius, it must be said. He's interesting. I have always liked him. Neither of the Johns going through, though. No, I think that, absolutely not. Oh, you, well, you say this. I mean, they are the lowest ranked, but some people were liking the Johns. Okay, well, I mean, you just you just went out there and said it, but I do have a couple of things that our listeners have uh, wanted to to weigh in with that might might sway you. 
So we've got Aiden, uh, who says Michael 8 deserves to go through. I mean, he was our top scorer in, in the round. He's ninth overall. Mm. He's not the most memorable of emperors, but he tried, considering that he was the emperor who finally reunited the empire after 57 years of the fragile state it was in. I can completely understand why he took to politically fighting to keep Charles of Anjou at bay and made alliances with states like Genua and to gain the protection of its navy. I'd argue he did a lot to try and keep the Empire safe while it was recovering, and that is commendable. Well, everyone likes to try, don't they? But what you really want is oh, a doer. Oh, he wasn't... But he, what, if, right, I think something that I've not got across is how impressed we were with his diplomatic fighting. Yeah, no, that that is big. And, he, and Aiden... He was very point. good. He was yeah. very good. Yeah. Um, and he reunited the Empire. Uh, but I do... If I remember correctly, we did debate whether he should get... Um, but let me, let me check this. Yeah, so I've just... Just checked my uh, notes on why we gave him Jeanne César. We debated it. We weren't sure whether to give it to him. You leaned to yes because he brought the empire back. He recovered to Constantinople. I argued that he didn't really deserve the credit. It got accident. It was accidental. We almost went for the coin. That's how unsure we were. Uh, but then I caved to last second. Okay. Right. Okay. Let's see if anyone else has got anything to say. Uh, someone just saying Romanos there, just because they like him. That's good. I see. I asked for comments on the first two rounds, and most people are talking about the next round, which is understandable because there's some big hitters in the next round. Yeah, okay, so, yeah, all of these comments are for round two, but lots of things. So we'll leave it there, uh, and we'll talk about other people's comments afterwards, uh, which I think just kind of uh, sum up this round. It is definitely the easiest of rounds to go through. Uh, Okay, right. Do I disagree with you? Romanus did have Vikings, and that political story was very interesting. I really liked the four-way power struggle. Um, yeah, you know what? I was completely unsure who I was going to say to go through, and if you have a strong feeling about Romanus I and Anastasius, I'm willing to go there with you. I, I do. I, I, I think they're more interesting. Because that's what this whole podcast is about, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like John One though. I do like John One. No, he's good. Uh, None of these are bad. They're well, they're, yeah, that's it. They're all Genesis our winners. But... Um, okay, no, let's do it. But which order? Romanos fought a line with a flamethrower. Romanos won, wins round one. Nice! <laughs> <laughs> he fought a lion with a flamethrower. I mean, <laughs> yes, yes, you've just got to admit that's really cool. It is, it is really cool. And we, were, we were talking about Claudius fighting that killer whale for a very long time. So Romanos won fighting a lion with a flamethrower. Yeah. Okay, right. So our winner is Romanos 1. Second place is Anastasius. The other three, Michael 8, John 2 and John 1, are out. But not in the lion pit. They're in the audience. No. They're in the audience of the... the, the... Well, no, they're just, they're just in the race and they lose the race. And, you know, accidents happen. Oh, that's true. Oh, that's a good drone. point, yeah. 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 Okay, well, that is round one done. This is good. This is good. We're getting somewhere with this. Yeah. I'm starting to get excited to see who's going through. Round two, however, is like the opposite of round one. It is a round of death. Uh, we have got just... <laughs> Justinian 1, Justinian 2, Manuel 1, Justin 2, all of them big hitters, and uh, we've also got Eudocia. Oh, poor poor Eudocia. Poor poor Eudocia. (laughs) (laughs) To put it in some perspective, uh, three of those are in the top six. Wow. Yeah, it's a tough round, that's round. This is a brutal round. Yeah, uh, but that's for next time. This time, all that needs to be said is thank you very much for listening, and well done to Anastasius, but mostly Romanos 1, for their victory. Goodbye. Goodbye.
80 miljoner kronor i kassa. And welcome, welcome to the BBC's coverage of the chariot races with me, Cosbert Mountbatten, and me, Winston Featheringway. And we had a glorious day today, Winston, for our first chariot race of the season. The weather is remarkably clement for this season, and we're quite looking forward to seeing the athletes and the fine stallions and their horses racing today, putting their wits and skill against each other. Oh, it's marvellous, marvellous. I just do look forward to this part of the year. And we can see the contenders lining up in their chariot. Romanov's one there, looking rather splendid. That's uh, very impressive. And then we can see, oh, I believe there's Michael the Eighth riding what I believe is a Palomino. Yes, very impressive. Uh, Anastasis has unusually gone for a donkey. How very strange. Donkey, donkey wearing pinstripe, by the looks of it. It's uh, all very interesting. Very fetching, um, I might add. It's a, it's a bold move. We'll see how it plays out for him. And here is, oh, oh it's the two Johns. John 2 and John 1. And, uh, they seem to be sharing a chariot. I don't know if they, I don't know whether that's a good idea or not, but we shall see as the race commences. Yes, it's, uh, I'm not entirely sure how they'll decide who's won if they happen to win, but uh, <laughs> who knows? Right, oh, oh, and yes, we've got it. The first flag is waved and we are off. And the crowd are going absolutely crazy. I don't need to tell you. And Romanus one has taken a very early lead here. I believe he's unsheathing his sword. And he's brandishing it wildly at uh, number two, which are the two Johns just behind, catching up. Yes, the Johns are closing in, and they're coming up right behind Romanos now, and it, it, it seems like they're coming up just behind him. What's, what's this? What is this, Winston? It appears that Romanos has unleashed Greek fire out of the back of his chariot. Oh my goodness, they've melted. They've melted, they Cuthbert. are coming apart at the seams. It's quite horrific to watch. Oh, the smell. The smell, it's, it's like barbecue, it, it's, it's quite horrendous. And uh, yes, the chariot has fallen apart, uh, but Anastasius, uh, slow right at the back on his donkey, easily able to swerve around the debris. Uh, very impressive. So we now have Romanus quite far in the lead, uh, a Michael 8 catching up, and a slow, quite far behind Anastasius. And the race does continue. You can see there that Michael 8 is, it looks like he's pulled out a very long, hard spear. Now, this isn't technically in the rules. I mean, attacking each other is, is not really in the spirit of things, but I suppose I suppose watching the two Johns be incinerated before your very eyes makes you reassess the rule books somewhat. And life choices. Indeed. I, I'm told many a charity racer often thinks about his life choices many times in a race, and they going... Oh, and oh, they take the hairpin quite amazingly there. Oh, I, uh, I can see Romanos got a bit in the study there. I believe his Greek fire cannon may have overweighted him slightly to the left. Yes, oh, it looks like, oh yes, it's come off. The Greek fire has, machine has come off. No more Greek fire from Manus, and that is going to definitely have an effect. Oh, and Michael 8 is gaining. He's gaining, he's picking off the spear. Is he going to throw it? I think he's going to throw it. He threw it. Oh, it missed. It missed. It landed in the ground. Oh, no. Oh, oh it, I mean, it hit something. Oh. It's, it's hit. 
quite clearly a supporter of the Greens there. Uh, you can tell by the spectacular mullet that that man is, or rather was, sporting. So we still go on. We still have Romanos in the lead. We have Michael catching up. And uh, Anastasius, frankly, being lapped several times now. The donkey is not working no, for him. But he looks incredibly graceful doing it, though. Yes, yes, he does. I love the side saddle. It's an unorthodox way to sit during a race, uh, but it's definitely given him more room for the abacus. Oh, he's pulled out a banner. It says, Monophysites are right. Oh, that's... Oh, that's... Oh, you can hear the booing from the crowd. That's a negative reaction. The top tier have already left the stands and are burning down the city immediately. It's, uh, it's always a danger, expressing opinions uh, whilst racing. Uh, but, oh no, it's a double-sided sign. It oh. says something on the back. What's it say? Can you it read? It says, I have Greek fire too. That surprises me. You would not have thought Anastasius would have Greek fire. No. Apparently does. Oh, oh. And, oh yes, he does. Oh, because yes. it is coming out of... Uh, the, well, I must say... I don't really know how to describe this, apart from the fact that Donkey now has developed a lot more speed. Oh yes, I almost feel quite sorry for the poor Blyther. Oh, well, I mean, he had been lapped several times, but with this speed, he is catching up incredibly fast. And Michael 8, is, uh, the look on his face is aghast. Absolutely aghast. aghast. He doesn't know what to do. And all this while I mean, Anastasius is probably reaching Mach 2 at this point. It's It's... Mightily impressive. Uh, he will be caught up in a matter of uh, seconds. He will be nearly there. Oh, can you see Mike Blades? He seems to be passing, trying to hand something over to Anastasius. It appears It appears to be a, an envelope addressed to Anastasius. It would appear Michael is trying to solve this diplomatically. We will see how this plays as Anastasius catches up. And he is coming round the corner now. He is just getting there. And yes, Anastasius passes oh. Michael. And oh, that letter has been burnt to a crisp, which is actually quite surprising. I have focused on that. I should rather focus on the fact the man has been burnt to a crisp. Every single centimeter. Oh yes, so, well, there we go, Michael. Eight goes the same way as the two Johns, so we only have two left, but who's going to come in first? There is only two laps left, and Anastasius is catching fast. And, oh, I can see a few sputterings from the donkey. He seems to be slowing down. Oh, we seem to be out, and yes, oh, he has. Oh, it's a terrible sight to see. Anastasius looked short and come back oh. from behind her. But no, he slowed down to his pre-rocket donkey speed, and... And with that, I, I think it must be over. Yes, no, it surely is. Check we have out. Romanos won. Romanos won, passes in the lead. And Anastasius Cantering trip in. trops, canters over the line, trip trops over, and we have our first two winners. And the other three are, I can only assume, dead, Winston. They have not been, the child remains have not even flinched. I haven't even seen John Two blink yet, so I, that is probably probably the case. As we see the emergency teams rushing to the piles of ash, yes, they are gone. Yeah, it's hard to see a man blink when his eyeballs have been incinerated. Well, there we go then. Uh, well, I have been Cuthbert Mountbatten. And I've been Winston Featheringway. And this has been the BBC's coverage of the Chariot Races. Join us next time. Good evening. <laughs>